Hello, Internet. This is Yes, Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. And I'm Elaine O'Neill. We've got a running order. We've got a coffee. Let's chat. Yeah, we'll do the short introduction there because it is a Snapchat over coffee. Not Snapchat. That's a different social media thing altogether. <laughs> this is a podcast. We will be chatting about Snap. Hey, yeah, yeah. Snap, the power. Mm, there we go. 180s references. That's me for the half hour. Yes, the running order has been published, streamed on YouTube and everywhere else in the social media world. So we're all discussing who sings when in the semifinals at Shirin 2022. And you know what? We're going to do exactly the same here at ESE Insight. No doubt this will be a topic of discussion as it is for as it has been for many years. Should come up on the site. But for our first thoughts on the running order, I'm joined by Elaine O'Neill at the other end of this digital coffee table. Hello, Elaine. Hello, Ewan. It's nice to have a running order back, isn't it? It's so nice. Yeah, you can tell exactly where things are going. And it feels like we actually have a show now. Up until now, it's all been about assembling a show. And from this point on, it's about running it. It's, it's that slow sort of switch over that you get in between March and April of all the national finals and sort of taking all those. It's, it's like baking a cake, really, isn't it? Oh, you're giving me Latvia 2014 flashbacks. But yes, <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's in the oven now. You can start the smell, smell it wafting through the kitchen. I'm not quite sure it's, it's completely in the oven because we don't know all the ingredients. The production team know more ingredients than, than we do because they know what the staging is like. They know what colour the lights are going to be. So part of that feeds into the rhythm of the running order as well. But yeah, you know what? Let's start there because the running order is not just about the audio in the songs, is it? No, it's the running order has so many different elements that go into it. I know that people, particularly on Twitter, like to treat the running order treat the running order as if it's a game favoritism, as in the producers put their absolute favorite song in the best slot, which is this number, and their least favorite song in the worst slot, which is this number, and everything goes in between, and that's all there is to it, and it's not. The fact that nobody can decide which slot is the best slot or the worst slot or which is the producer's favourite and not the favourite kind of is, you know, step one, that's that theory out of the window. It's always fun seeing like when the running order is announced and people go, oh no, Albania are opening, that's terrible for them. And someone else goes, Albania are opening, great, that's them through. Like no one, no one can quite agree. No, but perception is important here, I feel. Uh, the obvious one here is going second in any running order is a death slot. The producers put a song there and it is going to automatically die a death, not qualify, never come close to winning. Um, and while that's not true in the numbers, the myth is true. So even though you get put into that slot and you're like, well, it's, it's a higher than 50% qualification ratio for the Eurovision semi-finals, there's still that air of, oh, but it's it's slot two. It's like myth against reality, art versus science. Well, no. people, people keep thinking of the slot two problem in the final running order, which indeed is a really bad place because you get memory hold and obviously no one's ever won from slot two. But that doesn't affect the semi-finals at all, really. Like, you are on early, so there is some slight disadvantage, but it's certainly not a death slot. Yeah, and you do have it, you, when you look at 
the actual science behind it and you do a huge number of running orders and not just in in shows but also in things like figure skating for example there is this slight sort of j curve where you start and it drops down and then it starts climbing up to the end but the important thing is you because we're looking for 10 qualifiers those small margins that you see in that j curve really are dwarfed by the fact that we're looking for 10 rather than looking for one exactly right but it still sets storylines in the community and those storylines feed into narratives which feed into which song's doing better which song's doing worse and as a producer, you're naturally going to put the songs that people are expecting to do, you know, they're, they're looking forward to, you're going to put them later in the run because that's just what you do. You've done that from time immemorial, going right the way back to vaudeville performances through variety shows that you're putting on at the Sunday Palladium through even to shows like Strictly that you see nowadays. The big expectations are backloaded. So you take that, those myths, it all feeds in, and you get this living, breathing thing called the running order. Right. If you go to like a, a big concert, then like your favorite band, they're not going to put on their smash single second. They might open with it. They might have it in the encore. They might have it as the last song of the standard set this, but they're not going to do it second. And it's the same kind of principle. And of course, it might just be a simple rise. Like we can't put these songs next to each other. Because they both are predominantly using the colour blue. Right. And like now you've brought staging up. There is also the issue of, well, if a song has a huge amount of staging, you don't want to put that with another song with a huge amount of staging if you can help it at all. I think of like one time where they didn't have much choice but to do that in 2019. And so you had poor Kate Miller-Heidke up her pole just at the side of the stage watching Spain's Mickey do her thing with the house. Yep, and so you tend to see those big props either follow or lead into acts which are just a single singer on stage, or in some cases, they have to move the commercial break to allow a prop to be broken down or go up. Or, or even, and TV production trick, if ever they cut away to the green room and you're thinking, why are we cutting away to the green room for like 20 seconds? This feels awkward. It could be that a curtain has got stuck and they can't get it out and all cleared and on the next stage at the time all of these things are sort of lurking in the background production wise that maybe we don't consider when we just go oh look albania's next to latvia and that's gonna kill whichever song is your exactly. personal favorite right yeah so let's actually start there right set into semi-final one uh, now we've sort of set the scene and reminded everybody that there are a lot of variables in play uh we're gonna ignore all of that now and just compare two songs next to each other yay um Secret versus eat, eat your salad, slot one, slot two in semi-final one. I think this is a good illustration of one of the things I want to talk about, which is comparing songs. What song is next to you, not what song either side, is probably more important than position in, in the run in a semi-final. Yeah, it's uh, your neighbours count an awful lot. Like, if you um, are next to a really big song, one that everyone's going to talk about, then unless your song is equally as talkabootable, then people aren't going to necessarily pay you much attention. Like, we've got a good example of that later on in the running order. And also, if your song is the same kind of song as a previous one, as in similar genre, similar tone, similar tempo, then the two songs might merge in people's minds. And if you're perceived to be the weaker one, or maybe the first one, 
then that could harm your chances because people will think of your neighbour over you. And this is one of the, the things that I find interesting, certainly about semi-final one, more so than semi-final two, is this idea of having two songs that are close to each other, relatively close because we've got multiple genres going on here at the song contest, is we've got Albania and Latvia, which to me you can compare against and decide sort of which one is better there. They're both relatively fast, both happy and smiley numbers. Uh, then you go into Lithuania, Switzerland, and there, there's a slower, more chill effect. So it's easy to compare those two and go, which one is better? Which one would I cast my votes for? Uh, you then look at that and you've got Slovenia, Ukraine coming into there. Uh, so you've got this, you've got this sort of sawtooth of, rather than a single song, fast, so fast, so fast, slow. You've got like, too fast, too slow, too fast, too it's slow. It's almost like Albania and Latvia are together the opener, and then Lithuania and Switzerland are together the second place, slightly slower song. Yeah, and I think that actually, while it's different to that sort of radical, we make each song stand out completely that we've seen in other running orders, because running order, there's a philosophy, there's an art to it, there's no completely correct answer. Here we've got... We do have that fast and slow, but you actually have something to compare it to. And I actually think that's going to make for a better contest because it's not going to feel as much of a roller coaster. It certainly will be a lot less jarring. I mean, there, there are jarring moments, definitely, but having, having that kind of more gradual slopes... Um, certainly helps you analyse each song together because it can be very difficult to analyse a party song and then a slow emotional ballad and then a fast rock song and then a jazz number because you're constantly comparing apples to oranges. And you've also got to do that sort of mental switch just in tempo so it would be far easier to put the party number and the rock number together because they're closer and similar and then you put the slower number and the jazz number together because, again... It's a very broad similarity with the songs we have, but it does, to me, feel that it's a better way to gauge the songs on that one. Obviously, we mentioned there Ukraine and everything that is happening uh, in the country there because of the invasion from Russia. So, you know, again, production are going to have to consider that that is still a question mark. Right, uh, yeah. And a question mark that we will... We will see what happens closer to the time. So just going to leave that one uh, sitting in there. And then we sort of kind of get this sort of refresh and we do suddenly get our sawtooth going on here because you've got Bulgaria going to the Netherlands, going to Moldova. And here we do have that sort of traditional fast, slow, fast there. And I think that's just because we've run out of slow ones at this point in the top half. Uh, a little bit, yeah. You don't want to necessarily have too many of the slow ones together at one time, and songs like Slovenia are a kind of middle ground in the sense of they're not actually that slow, but at the same time they're not full on. It's quite a chill sound to it. But like, I know it's like going slightly over the first half, but Moldova, although it's uh, after Bulgaria and the Netherlands, is right before Portugal as well, so you have like the Netherlands, that kind of slow um, almost Lana Del Rey-esque ballad and straight into Moldova's like full-on Eastern European party music and then you hit the brakes full stop and you have like the uh, the very slow Portuguese very very calm relaxed Maro and that is one of the most 
um, sharp sawtooth I can remember in quite a while. It's like the Matterhorn in the middle of semi-final one. Yes, but the Matterhorn with one of those funiculars going up the side with everybody having a party on it. Well, I think it's very, very good news for Moldova. I mean, I'm quite on it. I'm quite open about being a big fan of Stobzi Stub, and I think they are benefiting hugely from that position because it gives people a little bit of a party in between everything else. Yeah, there is that sort of feeling of, of isolation around there. Um, but it could also be that um, S10 and Maro are just, they don't have much staging and Moldova's got to bring an entire train an entire, and station yes. and a little tunnel uh, and everything else that, and, and probably one of those signs that points one way to Chisinau and one way to Bucharest just to emphasise the point. So there could be some staging issues in there that have given it that isolation as well. Certainly, I don't see Mauro being very different to the Festival de Cancel performance in the sense of yep. there's people sitting around on stools. It's almost like it's almost like a little jazz bar. You're not going to have like flashing lights and huge like prop balloons or anything. Nothing like a jazz bar, especially one where the aspect ratio changes as well. But I don't think we'll see that twice in two years. The other thing you've got is you've got also you've got this rising excitement going through the entire show as well. While there are ups and downs in that, there is this general climb uh, towards the end, and that pretty much signifies that Subwoofer is the peak of semi-final one. Right, yeah, the second half is, with a slight blip, it's almost an acceleration, because, as I say, you've got the very, very slow, chill Portugal, and then Croatia sending their version of Taylor Swift, which is, which is quite calm and relaxed, but not anywhere near as relaxed. And then you've got Denmark, which is an interesting one, because it starts off sounding like a ballad, and then it goes into pop-punk. Um, and then right after that, you've got Austria with their EDM dance number. And so that is like a gradual acceleration all the way from Portugal up to Austria. Um, then you have Iceland suddenly slowing things down a little bit. And then you have the one-two punch of Greece. And then Norway, which is absolutely the pinnacle of the second half. And then we've got this kind of little epilogue coming in as well. With Armenia just... Right, well... We'll see this with semi-final two in the sense of the penultimate slot is being treated as the pimp slot and the, the final slot is almost like the after party. And I know you mentioned this is um, a Swedish style running order, but it does remind me of how with Melody Festivalen, typically the final performance is not one of the main contenders. It's instead something there to give everyone a party. And it's just before that where you put the big hitters um, and the other one is because Armenia here, of course, is not a big party number. It's just this sort of slower number. It just feels like, you know what? We just need to just let you calm down slowly, come back into the show after you've had the Wolves, Bananas and Keiths and Jim's well, going Well, I through. would not be surprised at all with Armenia being here because on yeah. the face of it, it's a very bad slot for Armenia. Um, people will be talking about Norway, the bright yellow wolves. It's everything that people look for in Eurovision in the UK. And it's also been do doing very well across Europe. Um, a lot of people who have seen it in different countries have all praised the Norwegian wolves. So chances are when you get to Armenia, people are still going to be talking about Norway. So it's not necessarily a good slot for them on the face of it. But there's a good chance that Armenia are there because they might be bringing a prop. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we saw the hoose from the music video. 
Yep. Uh, in, in whatever form it is. And it's just going to be a mixing desk for Norway that isn't going to be live. It's going to look live, but it's it's just going to be a prop, no live instruments or anything like that on stage. And, you know, not everybody is going to be completely clued in on a masked singer S happy number. They're just going to go, I just want a nice song. Right. And then Armenia comes up and delivers it as well. And again, you know, we can talk to this from either side. We could talk to this from this being a really good thing for Armenia. They get the big prop, they get that visual spectacle at the end. There's just that that sort of release of pressure. Or, as we saw there, it's right after Norway. Everybody's going to be talking about Norway. Nobody's going to be talking about Armenia. Welcome to the art of a running order. Well, exactly. You can, I mean, you can compare it to the most similar song to Armenia in semi-final one, which is Croatia which come a lot earlier in the acceleration. And do Croatia benefit from being as that part of an acceleration? Or do Armenia benefit from being the later song, the one right before the voting, the one that might uh, overwrite Croatia in people's memories? You could argue either way. Uh, and the other thing to remember is the, the producers might not even be considering any competitive elements whatsoever they might just be going on we need to have this acceleration we need to just follow the old rules of music hall variety of where you put the axe and just what what works on a tv production and we will just let the competitive chips land wherever they fall exactly exactly and just trying to create the best show possible and the actual ramifications of that for the competition are not necessarily being considered yeah and Part of that is because if you look at semi-final two, you have that same acceleration. You have a show, different songs, but it does have that same shape. It does have that same feeling. You're opening up with a fast number that's very much anticipated. Right. And the community, of course, with Secret, it's just like, yeah, we really, you know, lots of anticipation for that for the community. You move to Finland and the Rasmus opening semi-final two, and that's going to be more anticipation from the general public. It's just like, oh, the Rasmus, I've heard of them. Um, even if it was recently doing a support gig for Against the Current or 20-odd years ago when they had a song of the charts. You have that same shape, that same flavour, that same feeling running through. We'll just snap straight to the end here, I think. You have Sweden at 17, with Cornelia Jacobs, Hold Me Closer. Huge amount of anticipation for that one, as well as it being that big rousing number uh, and then as you said there earlier lane rather than the, the, the sort of coda with the house we have the after party here of the czech republic and we are dummy right exactly yeah um the other thing is that like semi-final two the first half is probably the most unusual of uh, all of the uh, the bits we have we have obviously serbia's uh almost protest song style in Coprasano. You've got Circus Mercus from Georgia. You've got Achille Lauro, of course. Um, so you don't necessarily want to open on something that might be a little alienating to some of your audience. Once you've got the Rasmus under your belt, then you can go a little bit weirder because you know people are already there and they're already watching. You've got them hooked. And that's, that's, what, that's what the Rasmus are there to do. It was probably the easiest running order slot to call this year, if I'm honest. Yeah, because, you know, Achille Lara is just a little bit, it needs to go in the middle. You do want to get people in the show. I do remember speaking to Christopher Bjorkman a good number of years ago about how 
how Melody Festivalens approaches, which is always somebody at the start that everybody wants to see, somebody at the end that everybody wants to see, and then just find the sort of wave that goes through the middle to build build up to the end. And we've got that. We've got an opener. We've got a closer we're expecting. We've got some nice names in the middle to keep things uh, ticking over. So the Rasmus, Achille Lauren, Sheldon Riley, and Canela Jacobs are the ones I think the community are going to pick up on. Yeah, you've got like, you've also got a, a more traditional sawtooth, but not as, it's not as extreme because the songs aren't quite so extreme. Probably the biggest sawtooth you've got is uh, Akira going into uh, Australia. You've got like Stripper going into Sheldon Riley, which is quite a juxtaposition. But when you're comparing, when you when you're going Israel, Serbia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, all of the songs have something similar to the one that came before, even if there is a different genre. So that yeah. goes back to what we were saying earlier about it being a slightly less jarring experience for the audience, uh, which again is probably a good thing given you've got Constructor and Circus Mercus in there. Um, yeah, just, you know, just guide you through. It's going to be an interesting run, but, you know, as long as you can just make everybody make com feel comfortable taking the next step into the next song, into the next song, into the next song. Keep them watching, take them through, and before you know it, you know, they're watching national finals in two years' time and trying to work out what the time zone difference to, from Moldova to Portugal is. Catching up on what on earth a Riga Beaver ever was. But semi-final two, semi-final two, part two, actually goes right back into what you were saying with the first bit of semi-final one in the sense of suddenly you're back to having the pairs. You have Ireland and North Macedonia singing two songs which have a very similar theme, actually. They're very, very close. It's like two different takes on exactly the same situation. It's a woman singing about her ex, really. Then you've got like two different party songs. You've got Estonia and Romania. Uh, then you've got two ballads together, Poland and Montenegro. Um, and then you have, you have Belgium almost as the... Uh, Appetit for the, the most expected song, which is Sweden. And then you've got obviously got Czech Republic closing, as you said. So it's very much like it's coming in pairs. It's not it's not remotely sawtooth. It's uh, you've got almost like your it's almost like jewels. I mean I know yeah. that like it's not a case of oh only one of Estonia and Romania will come through. It's it's quite interesting. I don't remember I don't remember this approach being quite so uh, obvious in previous semi-final running orders. It's seems to indicate perhaps a slight shift in focus. Uh, it could also just be the RAI have a different feel uh, in terms of production uh, than we would have, say, with Avril Tross, uh, who've done the previous writers. It's still producer-led. It's still the host broadcaster that sort of does those broad decisions and then everybody just goes, mm, let's play around with that one there. And as we've seen... Um, the comparisons of San Remo to Melody Festival and will continue for time immemorial, right. but things are done differently by different broadcasters. So this could just be, this is the Italian way of doing it, and we're all used to watching uh, a more Scandinavian way. Yeah, I think it's going to make for a nicer show, though, or a slightly less, a slightly less um, kind of laughing, crying, laughing, crying kind of show. Yeah. It does open, like, comparison like you're going to go okay well you know did you prefer poland's ballad or montenegro's ballad like i i still don't know how i would answer that but when they're right next to each other it's much easier to view it almost as if it's yeah when when we get to the show it's just like now you have to choose 
And I'm like, oh, do I really have to choose? Uh, okay. And back-to-back helps. If, we'd, if you'd put something in between them, it would be much harder to do. Exactly, right. Like, you're back to apples and oranges or, like, you've got, like, you've got far more considerations, like with Croatia and Armenia being in entirely different places in semi-final one. Here you've yep. got, I mean, Poland and Montenegro are different ballads, but they're hitting the same kind of, the same kind of feel, the same kind of tempo, yep. same kind of mood. And in all of this, we also have to remember that there are four other songs or items in the running order that have to be considered as well, which is the actual opening of the semi-finals, which I'm assuming there will be some musical elements too, and some comedy and some sketches and stuff, and whatever comes directly after the end of the semi-final competitive section where you have the recaps and everything. So these running orders never stand on their own. Albania is opening Eurovision, but it actually will probably start like 10 minutes in. So there'll be 10 minutes of content before we get to Albania. Right. Uh, like, and like, I don't know, obviously I don't, at this point, I don't know what Raya planning, but it is, it could be the case. They decide to open semi-final one with Monoskin rather than the final, in which case you've got the sort of very fast, very um, sexual rock number opening. And then where do you go from there? Lots of questions. Some of them have been answered by the running order there. More will be asked uh, from the preview parties uh, as we go through uh, April, as we go through the sort of promotions and interviews that we see when we get onto the ground in Turin and when those live shows start broadcasting, we will have more of those answers. Leading all the way up, of course, to that very, very important final question, which is who's going to win the Eurovision Song Contest in 2022? I have no idea, but it's going to be fun finding out, isn't it, Elaine? I've got a few guesses, but which way the tide turns, I just cannot say at this point. It all depends on what happens when we land in Turin and we open the oven door and we discover what kind of cake we've actually baked. And then you've got three minutes to show that cake off to all of Europe. One shot, no second goes, fingers crossed. So that's us. That is our chat over coffee for the uh, running order. Thanks very much for listening in. Your comments are always welcome. www.escinsight.com uh, As well as that, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash escinsight as well. Uh, but if not, uh, likes, loves, social, shares, media, all of that stuff, uh, including Snapchat. I don't think we're on there, but you know, you could mention us. That would be nice. Uh, but for now, uh, thank you to Elaine O'Neill for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you all out there for listening as well. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Jukebox Jury later on this week. We will have our weekly news update on what's going on, which is basically everybody's rehearsing. But, you know, we'll find some more uh, to go with that as well. And we will have a chat also with the Norwegian head of delegation as well, talking about MGP, about running orders again, actually, uh, about dealing uh, with two singers uh, that have come down from the moon to sing for the country, uh, all of that. Uh, watching that on our feed. Uh, with the podcast we'll have articles coming up on uh, running order on the um, the changes that have been influenced by Maniskin all that coming up on ESE Insight in the next week or two but for now Elaine roll the guitars This Eurovision chat over coffee was hosted by Ewan Spence with Elaine O'Neill find out more at www.escinsight.com patreon.com slash escinsight